0: Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast, brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Each month, this podcast tackles the topics that are important to Pulse crop farmers, including market opportunities for your crop, market access and trade policy developments, innovative agronomic approaches, transportation for Canadian crops, and a whole lot more. My name is Laurie Friesen and I'm the Seed Program Manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. And today I'm very pleased to be talking with Ken McDougall, who is a Sales and Marketing Manager with McDougall Acres, an independent seed retailer near Moose Jaw, and Trevor Simpson, who is the Farm and Seed Program Manager with Simpson Seeds, which is also an independent special crops processor, exporter and seed company in Moose Jaw. So today, we're going to dive into some of the new Pulse varieties that are currently commercially available, as well as hear about some upcoming varieties that are in the pipeline for release in coming years. We'll hear about Ken and Trevor's experiences with these varieties and how they are performing. So thanks so much for joining us today, gentlemen. I don't know if you had anything more you wanted to say by way of introduction about what you do, or if uh, that sort of covers... The gist of it. Good for me?
1: Yeah i just maybe like to add that uh, um, we are uh, we have a farm here in Moose Jaw as well as uh, along with Swift Current and uh, we do uh, um, grow pedigreed seed in Moose Jaw and Swift Current uh, as well so we get uh, two different locations to, to try out these varieties and, um, maybe add uh, some more insight on some of these varieties
0: well, that's great because you have two different uh, environments in a given year it would give you that type of comparison as to how one responds compared to another under certain uh, or different uh, circumstances.
1: That's right. Yeah, we usually split the varieties up and we grow them in we and so current and uh, it's amazing how, you know, um, uh, you know, it's not that far away, but uh, it's almost two different worlds sometimes when it comes to growing pulses. And uh, you you find out that uh, some varieties work so much better out in South Current and some uh, much better in the Moose Jaw, Regina area. So it's really uh, shed some lights uh, for us on what producers are up against out west uh, versus out east.
0: Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I help with coordinating a lot of pulse and the pulse trials and soybean trials in the province, and one thing you notice with uh, when you run the statistical analysis is you can't really say one variety o- is overall higher yielding than the other because there's such a strong influence of environment. You really have to say environment or variety X is better, significantly better at that location in that year. Um, it's a very strong um, component of performance as environment. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So... If you could tell me what pulses are you growing in your in your operations, uh, maybe start with you, Ken.
2: Okay. Well, in our operation, we're we're growing pretty much all the main pulses. We're growing red lentils, green lentils, um, yellow peas, green peas, and chickpeas. Uh, we okay. have grown um, soybeans in the past as well, but uh, they're not currently in our rotation. So we're growing all the major groups, uh, multiple varieties within each group. Uh, trying to be trying to offer as many uh, options for farmers as possible, and and that gives us a bit of a uh, you know broad spectrum uh, uh, choice for guys to to talk about. Uh, and because we're growing them, uh, we also have some folks that grow uh, with us, so we we're able to offer um, pretty much
0: all the new varieties in the seed guide every year. That's awesome. And what about you, Trevor?
1: Um. Yeah, we. Uh we currently lentils is as uh, for sure our our flagship uh products here we also grow um peas um we're getting into to, to green peas again and uh we also grow chickpeas as well um same thing again. in the lentil classes uh we we pretty much provide every single uh you know market class uh, for lentils available and um red lentils we have to have up to five varieties and and so we're really trying to expand on that portfolio. And one thing that seems to be making a little bit more uh, of a comeback would be uh, conventional lentils. You know, some of the group two resistances that we've seen in the past have um, pushed guys. to so maybe some of the more of these conventional varieties that are showing, you know, some agronomic yield advantages and and stuff that we've we've seen, you know, uh, um, pretty clear on our farm. And uh, some of those varieties are making a comeback and, and stuff. So we do offer, uh, those conventional varieties you know one being say red moon and um red lentil class uh, you know 114 percent yield check hey, although it is conventional we on our farm it's uh when it comes to the bottom line it's it's uh, adding a lot of value so yeah we we like to try and um offer pretty much all those uh lentil classes you know and uh spanish mm-hmm. brown being one that's exclusive to simpson seeds and um Along with uh, Indian Head or Beluga lentils is what the, so a lot of the producers are referring to them as, and uh, um, there's been a lot more interest in those uh, in the past as well. So well,
0: that's exciting because you know we have had a lot more questions on you know the Indian Head type lentil, and and I think there is is a market there. And uh, I know for myself, I really like them, so I'd like to see them, you know, on the grocery shelves and a little bit more you know accessible.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting actually that you say that because uh, we've been growing them for uh, quite a few years now, and they're an interesting variety to grow for sure. And um, we, I always hand them out to all my friends and family and stuff like that after we clean them. And uh, a lot of people are starting to cook with lentils quite a bit more. And the Indian heads are by far the favorite uh, amongst yeah. uh, the, the people. It's everyone once they see them, they they've never seen anything like that before. You know these little black lentils, and uh, that's all they're that's all they're asking for now. So it's uh, yeah it's interesting
0: what's the disease resistance on them like it aren't they a little better
1: well it's an old variety there hasn't been any advancements in the indian head class it's the same variety i think they i think they are working on one last time i talked to bert and there is something coming down the pipeline but um it's we have never really had much issue for them uh for disease we've you know had pretty good success uh in in years with them as compared to some of the others and i think uh if i remember right is back uh a while back as Bert actually was using some of the disease resistant characteristics from the Indian head lentils and trying to get them into some of the other varieties because it was one of those older varieties that uh, was kind of tried and true and and uh, so yeah it's 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 been a good good variety on our farm
2: like Trevor versus uh, red lentil for example yields. Yeah.
1: well we're looking at um, it's it's really different from year to year, um, but uh, I'd say uh, for a red lentil, you're probably looking at about 75 to 80 percent check. Okay, and I think that's I think that's fairly conservative. Um, some years, we've had it uh, match yields, um, and for some reason, in really dry years, it was outperforming uh, every lentil on our farm by uh, upwards of five bushels the acre, which was really surprising. And no. And so it was, it, yeah, so year to year, it really, it really varies. But I think if you had an average, you know, six inches of rain that year, I'd, I'd say you're probably sitting around that 80%. Okay.
0: Well, you can. Have you noticed an uh, increase in interest in conventional types of uh, lentils over the uh, clear field?
2: Yeah, so, you know, like, like Trevor was saying, I think um, there's a lot of farmers looking for alternatives to mainstream, you know, growing mm-hmm. practices. and you know we also offer all the conventional varieties so we offer red moon we offer kermit we offer green star mm-hmm. uh, we don't offer indian head or or any of the other specialty lentils but farmers are looking farmers seem to be looking for for niche markets and um you know we've we've offered a, a conventional lentil for a number of years now and for some farmers it's a no-brainer if it, if they can if they can grow 10 or 15 percent more than a clear field uh, um, competitive lentil, they're going to do it. But for other farmers, Clearfield is a really big deal. So yeah. um, whether or not they spray Solo or Odyssey is is besides the point. They want to have the option to do it. So um, so it's you know we basically have that discussion with every customer in regards to what are they really looking for? Do they do they do they have to spray us a, a group too or or could they get away without it, you know, depending on weed control and, and crop rotation, all those types of things. So mm-hmm. there's definitely more interest, but we our our sales haven't necessarily reflected that opportunity. We 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 have a, a decent sales program in the conventional lentils, but it hasn't been it hasn't grown as much as you think when you consider the, um, um, the 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 advantages and the interest that we've had. And that, you know, it does it definitely ties into the discussions that we'll talk about maybe in a bit in regards to new varieties, because the green star has been a rock star for a long time in the in the large green class. Right. But the new Lima is so exciting that we're gonna have, you know, green star yield, green star size or better, uh, great color retention with the clear field trade. So for us that's been a major, um, a major improvement in the large green, uh, in the large green class. So that's very exciting. That's that's the, you know, the advantages of the, of the pulse growers and the new breeding and, and uh, the, the yeah. programs that we have access to.
0: Well, that's really good to hear. You know, yeah. Lima hasn't been out very long, so you never know exactly how it's going to react in the field. You know, you've got small plot data and then it's so exciting when you start hearing good reports coming from field scale production.
2: Yeah, yeah, we had a great crop of Lima uh, this year and a lot of interest already. So it's been very good.
0: Awesome. Uh, another one, uh, it's not uh, released yet, but uh, when we're talking about sort of the clear-field replacements for high-yielding conventional types, there is a, going to be a new small green lentil that will have actually improved yield based on plot you know, production, but improved yield over kermit, but with the clear-field traits. So, that's one to look forward to. I'm excited about that one because it, it makes me a little bit frustrated when you have something as good as Kermit or uh, you know as good as Red Moon, and they just don't get the uptake because they are lacking the clear filtrate trait. So, yeah,
1: yeah. this I, I'd say the increase uh, in. Uh, Interest in those conventional[s] does come with the registration of uh, uh, Focus and Volterra uh, chemicals for for lentils. Yep. Guys are having a lot of good success with that, and um, okay. It's got a great, good, uh, you know, weed portfolio on it, and you know, if conditions are right, it, it, we've had great success with it. And a lot of producers that we found are having the same success and able to get away from the group twos. And it, the same kind of thing, the conventional's kind of sat on the shelf for a while, and then mm-hmm. as these, I think as these chemicals kind of came to light uh, and farmers started using them, getting uh, familiar with them, that's when they started. Turning more towards some of these conventional[s], but it's great to hear in the small green uh, market class that we've got something new coming down. It's been a while. Invincible has been the uh, tried and true for so long, and uh, Kermit has done you know uh, showing a significant yield bump. That's but that's nice to hear about the the new small green for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was I was really excited to see that. So, what are some of the surprise pulse crops that you've noticed starting to garner some interest from Saskatchewan growers? Like maybe in fava beans or dry beans chickpeas have you seen some things that sort of have surprised you
1: i, I wouldn't uh you know fava beans there's been uh it's it, i think you know there's there's developments being made there for sure and you know as the varieties you know are developed more for our climate and stuff and as the market develops i think it's going to be a, you know they're going to be a welcomed uh, uh crop for a rotation that's for sure i'm looking forward to the the development of those um or of that sector, the soybean thing, you know, we had the soybean rush here for a bit in the wetter years and it's kind of tapered off. And, you know, I think with the, uh, increase in acres that we had at the time in soybeans it was uh, it, it showed producers were looking for another option for pulses and, and we need that in our rotation there's no doubt about it i've got no doubts that at some point those soybean varieties are going to start working here for us um, and we're going to start to see a, a large expansion in acres unfortunately i think we've got a little ways to go there and uh, maybe when we get back into a really wet cycle, you probably see some, some, some of them popping up a little bit more. But um, I think we've got a little ways to go there. As uh, for peas, you know, nothing that's been out of the ordinary, except for maybe, like I had mentioned before, those Indian head lentils that have expanded a little bit more. It's a very niche market, though, and it's, a, it's, it's very small. But um, we, it was uh, interesting to see a lot more uh, interest in that, and that's, that's pretty much all we've seen.
2: Yeah, I think you know when you talk about surprise pulse crops, for the Muscij area, you know lentils and peas and chickpeas are well ingrained. You know people know what to do, what to expect. Um, the faba bean thing, you know, we tried growing fabas. We just definitely don't have the moisture and the the available moisture in July to 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 help that crop along. But we definitely have customers in the north that have, that grow fabas and have had had. You know, have had some tremendous success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Phanomiasi is root rot issue. is such a big issue in in the province, and as we're talking to our customers, it's it's one of the first things we always talk about. So, you know, rotation as as more and more people want to talk to to seed growers, to to agronomists, to different people about what to do and how to do it. And we're not trying to tell people what to do, but uh, the root rot issue. If we could grow a faba here in the south, it would be it would be awesome. You know, like, like the chippy thing, we're so anxiously awaiting uh, some of these newer varieties that uh, that we've heard about that we're waiting to come. And maybe you'll be able to tell us something about that. But um, the chippy is such a great rotation crop in the south where we're normally not as wet. You know, the different strain of the root rod, like there's so many advantages. But I think we really need... A chickpea to come out that's not the same as an Orion or a leader we need something different we need we need bigger we need smaller we need something and or both and uh and we need some you know hopefully some better disease resistance because i think chickpeas you know the world market is huge we participate in that world market every day i think canada be, you know saskatchewan could be a huge contributor to that market if we can continue to to bring out products that are going to help us in the world market which isn't necessarily just another orion or leader we need something something to differentiate ourselves a little bit in my opinion and then in the, the dry beans we can't dry, you know grow dry beans here at Moose Jaw because we don't have irrigation but we with some of our expert business we definitely deal with the uh, in pet food business business we definitely deal with dry beans and I think the excitement of the irrigation expansion in the Lake Diefenbaker area is causing some real excitement for producers. Um, like there's real uh, there's real dollars per acre in dry bean production in that Riverhurst Outlook area, and if that could be expanded. Um, I think there's some real opportunities for producers to uh, to have another crop, another uh, a pulse to grow that's going to help them with their Root rot rotation with some chemical mm-hmm. groups and a, and a bunch of things. So, I think there's some, I, I'm quite excited about that dry bean expansion here in Saskatchewan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am too, actually. Yeah. Um, there are some new uh, bean varieties in development that I'm looking forward to. You know, there will be some new new stuff coming. Of course, we have CDC Blackstrap, which does really well in on dry land. Yeah um but so i think some of these new ones you know will will benefit from you know might benefit more from the irrigation but they'll provide new opportunities
2: well if there's some dry beans that are going to be bred which i know there is if you can get some beans that are going to be up off the ground you know don't have to be seeded with a necessarily with some form of a planter but probably should be seeded with a planter but harvesting mm-hmm. is the big deal If if you know if if farmers don't have to use a, a you know an undercutter and a bean a bean combine to to cut their beans, I think there'll be there'll be a quicker expansion in the dry mm-hmm. bean world because that undercutting and exposing that soil is doesn't work for a lot of farmers. But if they exactly. can use their own flex headers and their combines to harvest beans, there'll be that'll be a quicker expansion for sure. And I'm really excited about the 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 navy bean or the pea bean uh, expansion because of that. Okay, that's great.
0: Yeah, they there are some good navy beans and. Uh, So, yeah, we're looking forward to those additional acres. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Trevor, what about your experience with chickpeas?
1: Um, I think uh, it's been uh, hit and miss in the Moose Jaw area, uh, for sure. um, I think... Like Ken had mentioned, disease can be a, a, a problem. They are uh, not nearly susceptible to the root rots, uh, which is nice. It's nice to have them in the rotation there. Uh, but I feel like our biggest uh, threat would be maturity on the chickpeas and Um leaders. Is of what we stick to here is because it's got that little bit earlier maturity and once you step outside that um, it gets pretty risky and especially when you're applying you know four or five uh, applications of fungicide throughout the season it's it gets you got a lot of dollars on the table there and so we've been pushing our chickpea acres out into swift currents and we've had great success out there Um, it's just the the way the soil classes and stuff we don't you know we're able to get away with two or maybe even only uh, three uh, applications of fungicide and sometimes that third one doesn't need to be needed but we're so used to spraying that you know yeah. that we we go for it but it's uh, and yields have been really well and quality has been great too so i'd say you know you get you get a west that's it, they're they're a great uh, rotational crop and i think um speaking to the root rots is we'll be pushing more and more chickpeas out there and, and reducing lentil acres down to say like a seven or eight year rotation for sure out there uh to reduce chances of a, a root rot and and push more towards chickpeas um so but in moose Jaw, we ha- we had a great success last year uh, we had some propagation acres here and uh, it was a really good year for chickpeas but I think if we were to expand here in Moose we need something that's going to be a little bit earlier maturing and like Ken had mentioned better better disease resistance
0: yeah so what about some of the newer varieties since leader how did they look in your field
1: really good well we had uh one of the new ones Lancer which I'm excited about it's the the new field one um we had it in Moose just the way the rotations worked out we grew here and you know it's um we couldn't believe it when we got into it. it was doing over 60 bushels the acre. And so it's going to give us a lot of acres to go in for next year for it to be available, uh, available for producers for the, uh, 2022 growing season. So, um, really excited, you know, the clearfield technology, you know, it, it it's got some issues with resistance but it expands on some uh on where you can rotate it into your other crops and and how that fits uh into like a canola stubble or something like that it gives you that ability to to go that route and um we'll see how it works uh uh works in there and i i'm i'm thinking it's gonna uh, it's gonna be a, a successful variety going forward for sure and we did have another one in a plot stage it was you only had like an acre of it and it was a number I not not much experience with it so far but uh in another year or two we should uh, have have a better idea on what that one's going to look like
0: yeah i think one one of the the new experimental lines is has a larger seed um i'm pretty sure you had that did you have that one uh, one with a large seed in your plot production this year Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, we didn't see it so much this year because the yields were so high. I think when you get really high yields like that, you know, seed size. Uh, tends to drop off you get a lot of uh, you know two seeds per pod and and stuff like that um, so we we didn't the seed size was extremely small this year and we're seeing that at Simpson seeds on all the all the chicken oh, okay. production this year is that um, everything that's coming in um, we're seeing a lot more seven eights uh, versus the nines and tens and uh, that's just a, a reflection of the environmental conditions this year I guess but no, I, it, bigger is better for sure. Uh, uh, here we have buyers overseas, you know, canning uh, um, and uh, um, stuff like that, that they, they want the 9s and 10s. So that's, you know, anything that we can get closer to the 9 and 10 market, that's going to be uh, preferred. And, you know, Canada's got a little ways to go in the, in, the, in the chippy market. I think that, you know, the chippy market is a fairly big one, but uh, um, there's other countries that have um, a lot of that, uh, production wrapped up like Mexico and stuff that it's going to be, it's going to be a tough, uh, to, to go head to head with them on some of this stuff. And, uh, um, we just, you know, need to, uh, develop more markets, uh, from Canadian processors to get these chickpeas out. Um, some of the, uh, surprising, uh, acres, you know, they're not, there's not a ton of acres out there, but some of the stock to use ratios are getting pretty high. And I think that we need to, to work on uh, getting these things out of the countries and into some more uh, markets.
0: Yeah, I think markets are a big, big point of uh, discussion for a lot of, especially the newer pulse crops, whether it be faba bean or chickpeas, uh, even dry beans, you know, finding those or getting into some of the markets and and making sure that you have a a place to uh, sell them to.
1: That's right, yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to be a learning curve for processors as these uh, other varieties, uh, you know, start growing in, in acres. And so I think that uh, if the producers are going to grow them, the processors will, will find, hopefully find a home for them.
0: And what about you, Ken? Do you have any comments on comparing chickpea varieties?
2: Well, this year we, we only are offering um, Orions and leaders. We actually haven't grown the, the two newest offerings from the CDC. We are waiting for something different than, than, a, than a very similar uh, variety to an Orion or a leader. So no, we don't have any experience with the brand new varieties. Um, we're very anxious to see something bigger or smaller or both, frankly. So um, for now, we participate in that mid-size Orion and leader uh, with export and with our with our pet food program. but and there's lots of marketing options for those varieties. but as Trevor said, really the buyers, you know, they're paying the premium for the big, the big chickpeas and they want, they want 10, 11, 12s. They don't necessarily want our Canadian 8.7 millimeters. So they'll buy it, but we're definitely selling at a discount to uh, some of the American and the Mexican uh, varieties, India and, and versus India as well. So for, for chickpeas, you know, rinds and leaders are still a an extremely good option for folks and, and, you know, like like Trevor said, there are some amazing crops in this moose Jaw area. There's definitely okay. people that didn't have near the crops that we had. I think we had that perfect storm of residual moisture with just enough rain that didn't cause too much disease. But, um, um, and I know you said you had a podcast talking about that, the diseases in chickpeas. Right. That, that new hybrid or... Whatever that new uh, problem is with uh, chickpeas is definitely a problem for a lot of our customers in the south. It's causing them some some real financial uh pain. Rotation is gonna have to help fix that, but uh when there's root rot on the lentils, there's there's definitely some real issues in the south as to some as to what options they
0: have to try to work themselves out of that. So mm-hmm. Okay. Um we should probably talk a little bit more about peas. Uh, what uh, different pea varieties uh, are, have you been growing in recent years? So maybe start with you, Trevor. Uh,
1: peas, we um, we kind of just got back into peas here a couple years ago with the new uh, green pea uh, forest. It, looks, it looked pretty promising, so we uh, uh, are stepping back in with that. Um, as uh, Ken would be able to shed a lot more light on some of the pea varieties and stuff, um, when it comes to the green pea market, you know, we're talking to some of the splitters and stuff is that we had grown some razors before and, you know, they're not the best in the book by any means when it comes to yield. They're kind of what the processors are looking for and the splitters are looking for. They're getting good yields out of it and the color is good and, and stuff like that. So that's, you know, when it comes to the green pea market, uh, you know, definitely when when you're stepping into a new variety, it's something you want to look at and touch base with, you, with your processors to make sure that it's a variety. fit the market and uh they can get pretty picky sometimes those guys and if they have x amount of uh, product or export capacity they're going to be picking the varieties that are going to work best for them and so it's uh hopefully this new forest variety it looks it looks good and promising and i think that it's it's going to do very well and um it'll be available for 2022 as well
0: good what
2: about uh, do you have some comments on that ken yeah, so we have a number of pea varieties. So we we're offering Forest as well. We're really excited about Forest. Uh, the the uh, the yields have been wonderful. The for the most part, the color retention has been good. We've been a green pea grower for a while now. We were very excited about the the Green Waters when they came, and for whatever reason, that 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 seed coats was a real problem, and we ended up dropping it. We just couldn't seem to get quality, even for growing seed. We couldn't get quality, let alone some of the customers trying to maintain that that quality for, for selling into the marketplace. But yet I've got, I've got other sea girls that I talk to that they think green water is the best variety they've ever seen. So you know, <laughs> yeah. environmental makes such a difference. The forest has been great for us. We've got a number of customers growing forest already and okay. having great results. And I've got the odd customer that, that has some bleach, uh, uh, complaints. Uh, Avena is a buyer of green peas. We deal with them quite regularly and, They've only seen about with the new variety uh, forest. They've only seen about half their uh, samples that have been high quality. The other half have been bleached. So we're mm-hmm. we're trying to help get them samples from some of our other producers to show them that this <laughs> this forest variety is, is a good variety. So yeah, like Trevor said, buyers are very fussy. Bleach is one of those one of those mm-hmm. things that's hard to determine sometimes, and every buyer is going to have a different a different look at that. But forest seems to be a little bit rounder a little bit smaller pea than green water that looks like it's going to retain its color uh, a little bit better. So we're hopeful for that because it sure looks like it's a good one. It stands beautiful and, and can yes. you get that rain in uh, late June, early July. So so greens is, uh, you know, I think the CDC has got a great variety in, in forest. Yellow peas is really exciting. I think, uh, you know, we have all the yellow peas offered. Um, mm. uh, the new Loachco this year, Performed extremely well for us. It's an extremely upright variety, which I think people really like for, for harvestability and and yes. uh, you know a nice seed size. Like I personally, we really like the 230 or 220. Once right. it gets over 230, we worry about uh, seed coat like you know splits and seed coat breakage. <laughs> yes. yep. and we've had some issues with some of the a little bit older varieties with that. So we're really happy with uh, the Loachko. Looks like it's going to be a winner. Spectrum's been a rock star for us. We've had tremendous yields and and um, big uptake with customers with with Spectrum. Inc is an uh, you know I know um, Inc is Bert's favorite and and Inc is a great variety. So we've got a lot of people with Inc and they're having tremendous results with that as well. So those three varieties have just been really really good for us as we've expanded our P program on our seed business. So I um, have no issues. Uh, what's really obvious with uh, CDC varieties versus some of the other um, Breeding programs is just the upright plant. Like there's just for anybody with any equipment, they can normally grow a CDC variety, and you know with the standability and the pods up off the ground, um, um, it's noticeable the difference. Like versus like a uh, like a chrome, for example, it's just right. a completely different plants. So it's really noticeable to see the difference between the CDC program and uh, and uh, some of the other varieties. So very exciting in the, in the LPS.
0: That's really good to hear. I know that Tom Workington at the CDC has done a fantastic job with breeding pea varieties. And uh, just as an interesting note, uh, the two next in the pipeline that will be coming down to the sea growers um, have even higher yield and oh. excellent standability and uh, good protein. So he continues to to pump out varieties that, that keep uh, exceeding the ones before them. So I'm really happy happy about that so you'll be excited to see the the new the new lineup
2: i think you know the everybody's asking us about protein they want to buy a seed that's going to give them the the highest protein and we yeah. test all our lots every year for protein so that we can at least have a have a have a gauge as to what our varieties have done on our land and it varies quite a bit so on, you know i think that that protein thing is so environmental i hope that it they is. Can, they can you know they can c- continue to improve that where you know, some of these new varieties are going to be higher protein. Like I know a Lovachiko is supposed to be a little bit higher protein this year. It looks like it's not against our other varieties, but um, we also had quite high yields, So I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, that must have had something to do with it uh, potentially, I guess, but farmers are asking for high protein peas. That's what they want, you know, trying to go uh, that little bit higher price. So um, we'll see, we're going to be very interested to watch that with uh, new varieties and how that's going to, that's going to turn out as, there, as there's getting to be more yellow pea uh, uh, protein processors so
0: okay did you find that Luachko was a little bit later maturing or was it pretty much on par with everything else
2: for us it was right on par with, uh, okay. with our spectrum so in our farm we had uh, mm-hmm. we had those two varieties and it was it wasn't noticeable let's put it that way
0: oh, okay good yeah yeah Luwaka is supposed to have a higher protein, but uh it, you know I appreciate your comments about environment, and you're absolutely right. there is a big influence of environment on protein, and you know it could influence one variety more than another under certain conditions okay um so what advice or thoughts do you have for growers that are potentially looking for adding a new variety to their rotation
1: if? If you're staying within your market class, say if you're a red lentil grower and you're switching to a new red lentil, I, you know, I think it's pretty safe to you know, take a look at the yield advantages and start figuring out what kind of return you can get there. When you start veering off or getting into maybe a different market class at what you're not used to, say going from uh, red lentil to a uh, small green, you really gotta make yourself aware of the your marketing opportunities and some of these other varieties. Uh, red lentil you can sell it every day of the year and and move it and turn it into cash Mm -hmm. where when you go into a green uh lentil like small greens it's a little bit more of a niche market and um like here yeah. at Simple Seeds, we de- typically see demand uh, spike between harvest and Christmas. And that's, you know, your, a lot of times your opportunity to get this product moved. And um, if you're going to speculate outside those high demand areas, you know, you, you could be looking at uh, slow movement or maybe even reduced price. Um, obviously, in, you know, uh, conditions, the market conditions like we have today, it's, it's, it's hard to get a read on some of the stuff. But historically, that's kind of what we've been seeing. When you're like I'd mentioned in the in the green pea market, you know, you make sure that when, you know, in, in some of these uh, varieties that you talk to your processors and make sure that these varieties are working for the market and stuff like that. And and that's what they're looking for. I think it just um, making yourself aware on the on the marketing opportunities for some of these other varieties and
0: um, making yourself aware of the, the variety itself, I guess. That sounds great. And uh, Ken, did you have any comments on that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, echoing what Trevor said uh, when we're talking to farmers about new varieties, we're we're asking about exactly the same thing. Like what's, what, what's your plan for marketing? Do you have targets for specific markets? But, you know, we talk about, you know, rotation, root rot uh, uh, possibilities, all those types of things so that we can try to help them build a plan. For some, they're not going to move from normally just growing a straight yellow pea to growing a chickpea, for example without starting extremely small and and having to learn what to do there but you know we'll provide them that option as to what would that mean and 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 try to help them with uh uh, the logistics of of going from that but like Trevor said there like with red lentils uh, with the you know with the relative ease of growing a red lentil and the relative ease of marketing that product, for a lot of guys starting out with a pulse, that's where we normally would would steer them towards just as an option to, uh, because you know frankly with with the with the new red varieties that can yield as good as they as, as they can, you know when when the marketplace decides that you know like a 30 cent red lentil, uh, last week, there was some tremendous returns for farmers on red lentils and for frankly, a relatively cheap crop to grow and, and fairly easy to grow, assuming that mm-hmm. they've covered their basis on the, their rotation and root rot and chemical rotations and all those things. So we normally have quite a discussion when people are asking about a new, uh, a new pulse variety or pulse type to grow because we grow all of the, those different crop types. We feel we can, we can help them with that. But, um, uh, there's definitely lots of options, and that's the beauty of it. With the CDC, we get so many options to offer that um, I think uh, farmers have a tremendous uh, tremendous opportunity to um, to have something in their rotation that's going to help them uh, be in the black every year. So that's what's exciting to us.
1: That's great. I'd, I'd like to add is that, um, you know, it's, it seems like talking to producers of shows and, and, and stuff is a lot of them are, you know, they they tend to steer towards, say, if they're a red grower, they're a red grower. And that's, and that's what they do. And, um, we've had, a, I just like to say that we've had a lot of successes, uh, at, at um, being a very diversified farm, you know, having your, you know, not not all your eggs in one basket. I know I, I feel like I kind of maybe shied some people away from the green market when I was talking about marketing opportunities and stuff, but, um, year over year we've seen, uh, the green lentil market pay premiums and, um, there's a lot of, uh, opportunity in, in some of these other varieties. So, you know, especially if you, if you're looking at something else, you know, throw in a half section or a section and, uh, diversify yourself a little bit, uh, there, I, I feel bodes well for a lot of farms. And, um, I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it gives you a little bit more, uh, diversity on the farm, I, I guess, going forward and could could result in uh, um, better returns.
0: So. That's great advice. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your comments on that. You know, a lot of growers are producing are growing the same variety that, you know, for the last 10 years. What advice would you have for them in terms of, of switching to a new variety? Uh, do you feel that there's, you know, a lot of advantages to newer varieties that have produced within the last 10 years? Do you, anything that you could share with with uh, growers to to uh, convince them that maybe it's time for a change?
2: Yeah so we come across this all the time as well Um, like for example on the red lentils um, there's still a lot of farmers that grow Maxim's and when that Maxim came out uh, compared to what was available before it it was an unbelievable product it was such a great Mm -hmm. lentil so upright so high yielding easy to thrash and a lot of people have stuck with the maxim variety ever since that first came out and and there's nothing wrong with that when they ask us uh Mm -hmm. what do we think we what we suggest to them is they're used to growing maxims they have their own seed they clean up their own seed but maybe just try one of the new varieties of the red lentils whether it's the same seed size or 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 bigger we don't offer a smaller one at this point but we, we, we suggest for them to try a small portion of their acreage, acreage with one of those new varieties. So if they've been growing Maxim's, we normally would offer them a proclaimer or an Impulse, for example. Um, and we f- and we tell them that they're in normal conditions. They should grow more bushels and have great standability with slightly better disease. So um, and then maybe talk about some marketing options if they want to get real specific on sizing or whatever. So that's how we do it. If they're if they were used to growing, I still have farmers that have viceroy lentils, we'll offer them a new invincible. Or if they want to stick with a conventional uh, the the Kermit and and talk about a portion of their acreage so they can compare those varieties in the same field. And it's the only way for them to really see if the new variety is going to perform better than what they have now is to really, is to have it in the same field. So, so that's how we do it. You know, we still have farmers growing frontier chickpeas and we really promote the, the newer varieties uh, mostly because of the size, of course, like what, what both Trevor and I were talking about uh, frontier was a great variety, but, but we really, uh, you know, recommend farmers trying one of the new varieties. And I think as these newer ones come out, like Trevor said, with Lancer and, and, and so on, and hopefully some newer ones from there will be able to offer a lot more options for them. But um, if you're going to participate in the chickpea market, you really need to, to think about your sizing profile. And, and that's, it, it's again trying something in the same field to, that they can have enough seed to, to grow it out the next year if they like uh, is, a, is how we promote uh, new varieties.
0: I, I think that is really excellent advice and it sort of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast uh, with the environmental differences and again like I was saying with looking at the regional variety trial data and it's, it's so site dependent and even within close proximity uh, different sites uh, you get different results and you know overall there might be usually some that rise to the top in terms of yield on uh, when you take the average overall the sites you know you see ones that are you know consistently stronger but that doesn't mean they're they're the best one in every location right so that's really good advice and i think you know for growers to do that is fantastic because they'll know then whether it's time for a switch or whether yeah. they're still good with uh, the tried and true
2: yeah exactly yeah, yeah. No. And seed guides are everybody's got a seed guide. So when we're talking to farmers about varieties, they're looking at the seed guide while we're looking at it. So it's such a great way to uh, to promote the industry. But you know, when you know, we're not we're not telling farmers something they don't know when we're looking at the varieties in the book. So that's exactly. really uh, uh, a huge aid for us as uh, seedsmen to be able to talk to our
0: customers in re- relation to the book that they all have. So right. Trevor, did you have anything you'd like to share on that as well?
1: Well, no, I think, yeah, I think Ken covered it pretty good. Yeah. It? Same thing as where, yeah, if you pick up another variety is uh, you, when you're going to compare it, make sure it's in the same field for sure, I think, is, is to get a, a real good comparison. I know myself and, you know, most producers know this. So you can have a field uh, one mile away and it's going to, you know, depending on how the thunder showers fell and stuff like that, it could uh, uh, vary results uh, pretty drastically. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, it's crazy, um, with some of the red lentils over the years, you know, that we've offered, you know, one comes to mind being dazzle. It uh, it never did really take off, uh, right. and, and capture a lot of the market, but, um, you know, working some of the shows and stuff, we did move some of it, and some of the producers were coming in, and depending on where they were at uh, uh, in Saskatchewan, um, that's all they grew was dazzle. Uh, it had such a good re- reputation there, and it was uh, nobody would grow anything but dazzle, and even to okay. stay, yeah, that's you know. So it's it's the, a lot of growers in the area are growing different varieties and trying different things, but that's the variety that works best for their you know their climate and their conditions and stuff so it's uh, just to speak to what you had said is it's just uh, it's amazing how varieties um differ from region to region so yeah to, to i've um got a producer here he's picked up four different uh lentil varieties red lentil varieties this year and he's going to try them all and he's going to see which one works best for him so it's um and i would encourage uh, encourage that uh because um, uh, we, we're definitely seeing it from the producers as we as we speak to them. So,
0: yeah, and that's really important information to have. You know, I, I would love to hear from from producers who try that and get their their insight on that because that's something that we don't always get from a, you know a research standpoint.
1: That's right. And that's, you know, some work. it's unfortunate that uh, the shows got shut down this year, obviously due to um, legit reasons, but it's um, yeah. some of my favorite parts of going to these shows and these trade shows was talking to the producers coming along and uh, mm-hmm. their experiences. And to be honest with you, a lot of my education on a lot of these varieties is coming from producers and talking to them and, um, and uh, their, their experiences. And it's amazing how much you, you learn from everybody uh, when you network like that and, and share your experiences. And, and and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, that's so true. And I found that uh, with doing ag in motion, and, and I'm with you. I miss those opportunities to hear everybody's experience.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Hopefully, by next year, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, did anybody have any uh, further comments you want to share or anything?
2: I already mentioned it, but the seed guide. You know, uh, I just really encourage farmers to use the seed guide to help them make that decision but then when they when they're talking to their seed grower to really ask those questions just like with trevor talking about environmental and different areas even though the seed guide says you know proclaim is 107 of maximum that doesn't mean in their area that's exactly what's Mm -hmm. happening so make sure you ask your seed grower what's their experience what are they seeing because um, sometimes there 's a reason why seed growers have varieties because that 's what 's working best, but it may, may not be what what they should be doing on their farm so ask the questions because we 're like Trevor's saying with networking with farmers, we talk to so many farmers we get to know a bit of a have a bit of an idea what people like and and do in certain areas and uh, please ask we 'll be very happy to share that information that's I think the seed guides just such a great tool to to start that conversation so
0: yes. So that
2: is
1: absolutely true. Yeah. You know, it's really uh, an exciting period of time for um, agriculture and, um, you know, the advancements that we've seen. We're definitely on a curve that's, you know, pushing yields to uh, to levels that we never would have guessed uh, would be there even 5, 10 years ago. So, you know, and I'm yeah. definitely proud to be uh, from a province like Saskatchewan that uh, has some, I think, you know, if not the top crop breeders in the world. And uh, um, as a seed gr- uh, grower, it's... Um, you know, we get to take those varieties and experience them firsthand. And uh, that's, that's really exciting. And then, you know, passing that value on to producers is good to hear and or is good, uh, is a good feeling. And, and especially when you get to hear back from them, you know, the next year at a trade show saying, you know, all that variety it just like, it did so much better and I'm so much happier with it. And, you know, that's a good feeling to have. Well,
0: that's super. Um, you know, I guess that wraps up our discussion today. I want to thank you very much both Ken and Trevor for joining us. And thank you to everyone for tuning into this podcast. For more information about Pulse varieties or to connect with buyers and sellers in Western Canada, visit the growing section uh, for each Pulse crop on the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers' website at saspulse.com. And variety information can also be found under the seeding section for each crop. So please be sure to subscribe to Pulse of the Prairies podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.